Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefit strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. So welcome, everybody, to our session of Healthcare Happenings. Uh, this is Annette Bechtold, joined by Samantha Molliver. We have a special session today just on this new great uh, COBRA release. We've been, uh, we had uh, as part of ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, the extension of premium assistance for COBRA, helping people pay for that, uh, gave guidance on how that's to be done at the DOL came back in April and gave us a little bit more uh, information on it, but it was really more written toward the participants, so the employees that are receiving COBRA or eligible for COBRA, and answered some things, but it left tons of tons of questions uh, for employers about how to administer it and who's supposed to do what. And so we've been waiting, waiting for this uh, upcoming guidance by the IRS. And Sam, you and I had uh, were present on a uh, con- conference call with uh, Department of HHS folks um, and kind of sharing some of the questions we had with clients. And they came back and said, ooh, yeah, I know. We don't, we haven't answered any of that stuff, right? <laughs> yep. So, um, but it was good to have that. At least we knew uh, that what we were waiting for and we're sure that they were kind of looking at the same things our clients were asking. So I don't know about you. We we just got the guidance from the IRS. It just came out on May 18th. And uh, I was pretty happy with uh, what came here. Um, I know I always like when I read regulations, I always like, I don't know, this, I guess this is kind of a funny thing to say, but I always like reading the IRS version over some of the other departments because I feel like they're just more black and white very often and like, you should do this and you should do that. I don't know what your thoughts were, but I thought this one was good. Yeah, I agree. I think the IRS always does a nice job on kind of providing their guidance. Like you said, it's a little bit more black and white as opposed to some other agencies type of guidance. Um, I think the biggest thing that I was happy that they addressed in here, and I'm sure many of our clients are as well, is kind of the definition of involuntary. So just as a reminder that those who are kind of these assistant eligible individuals are limited to only those who have had kind of a qualifying event related to reduction of hours or involuntary termination. So voluntary termination doesn't apply. They're not eligible. And it was, you know, I got a lot of questions on what does involuntary mean? So the IRS, like I said, provided a lot of kind of useful answers to these questions. The main thing talking about really what is involuntary, they said it was, you know, kind of more of this facts and circumstance decision or termination, but really kind of looking at is there that independent exercise or that unilateral authority on behalf of the employer to terminate the employment relationship. And that, you know, absence that the employee would have been able to work. Um, So, and then they went through a little more uh, examples, you know, does it include um, terminating when an employee is absent from work due to an illness or disability? Does it include retirement? Would it include termination for cause, which is separate than gross misconduct? Um, and that's important because gross misconduct means that you're not you're not eligible for COBRA in general. Um, and so 
the IRS, I think, did a lot of useful, uh, provided a lot of useful information in here that hopefully our employers can use to kind of make their determinations as to whether they need to offer kind of this extended election period to those COBRA beneficiaries, um, and then also how they can go about receiving that tax credit. Yeah, you know, um, on this involuntary thing, I think that's right. You know, everybody always thinks involuntary. Oh, somebody got fired. You know, um, that's pretty easy to tell. Well, the, I did. That was not, not in my control. You know, so I, I got fired. Um, but that piece that you just said about, okay, so if somebody's terminated for cause versus gross misconduct, uh, we knew from the regulations that came out that terminated for gross misconduct, not eligible for this premium assistance, right? However, what about terminated for cause? Like, there's a reason I fired you. Um, they still are, according to the IRS here, they're eligible for this premium assistance. It, ju- it, it, it just can't be because of gross misconduct. Gross misconduct, someone disqualifies, right? Yep, yep, so yeah. The other thing I thought that was pretty uh, interesting in this was, okay, so we get that if I fire somebody, that's involuntary. But I thought they, there were a lot of examples. And this is the other thing the IRS does really well is that they write actual examples. The employer did this and it's, here's how it pertains to the law and here's what happens. You know, So they do a lot of really nice example work to help you understand the concepts. Um, I thought the interesting thing here was just what you're saying in that it's not so much I only fired people. If an employee terminated, that uh, you know, that they quit, they resigned, but they resigned because mm-hmm. the employer would have terminated them uh, for some other condition, or they knew they were going to be terminated, or they were actually sort of asked to step down or step away. Um, and if they didn't, they would be fired because we, I've, you know, we've in You've seen that at times. Well, I'd like you to retire. (laughs) You can call it retirement or we can fire you, you know, that kind of thing. In that circumstance, then that's the facts and circumstances you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also, like, generally, like, if there's maybe a material change in kind of the employment relationship. So thinking of if there was a geographical change. Uh, that would be oh, yeah. deemed a term, a involuntary termination. So if the employee themselves quits because of a material change, such as you know geographic location, that would fall under involuntary termination. Yeah, so they would then be eligible for that COBRA assistance. It wasn't their choice that the company moved to a different state and they're not moving. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Something of that nature, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, they did They did play out a number of different examples that are pretty interesting. I think that really helped to clarify that involuntary. And that was a big piece that there was some confusion on. I think the other thing, too, is, um, you know, the two reasons that you get the premium assistance were involuntary termination or reduction in hours. The one one clarification on the reduction of hours was kind of similar in some ways. Um, uh, they did clarify very specifically here. It doesn't really matter whether the employee chose to reduce their hours or the employer made them reduce their hours. In either case, they're eligible for that uh, premium assistance. Yeah, and I think it, they did a nice job, again, of just spelling it out in black and white that reduction of hours does fall under both a voluntary or involuntary type of action. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so then the other big things, uh, and there were a lot of clarifications in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, uh, a few things around the notices, there are some things around, um, kind of just reiterating and solidifying the time period of when you can elect what you can elect, um, how long that last. So, so a lot of things were confirmed or to kind of just shored up a little bit of things we knew. But the big pieces, I think, that we've been asked to is like, okay, so there's the, we, you know, we have to assume and the insurance company has to assume that the premium's paid. And so how do we get the credit for that premium paid, right? As the employer, how do we get it? How do we get it back, <laughs> right? And so we had been um, assuming because they set up this um, process for under the families, uh, the uh, Families First Coronavirus Response Act, you know, for the paid emergency paid sick leave um, and the extended family leave to be able to do it via the credits. Um, and there we are. So, um, so that's what they were confirming here is basically it's going to work the same, right? Yeah. So it's basically the same. It's pretty, you know, mirrors it. Um, again, you're going to be using the form 941. Um, that would be your employer's quarterly federal tax return. Also, form 720, 7,200. I'm terrible with numbers. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you to claim in advance on the credit. I did see that they had a draft form of the form mm-hmm. 7,200. Um, and I suspect that they will be updating the form 91 form. 941. Yeah. Um, and then also kind of have that finalized version of the form 7,200. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they will. And again, you know, you're, you're usually doing it on a quarterly basis. So they do have some examples in there um, about, you know, um, when are, uh, and I think the one thing that's really important is so when are you entitled to take the credit, right? And so they based that on like, you can't file for the credit until somebody actually elects COBRA, right? And then you can file the credit for the month in which they elect COBRA and any prior months where COBRA was affected. So if they've got that 60 day window to elect, right? So the example in there was the employer receives the COBRA election on June 17th for effective dates of April 1st, beginning April 1st. Well, then with my quarterly filing, I can claim for, for my second quarter, I could claim April, May, and June credit. Um, So you can't prospectively, unless you're doing the advance on the 7,200 form, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they give a bunch of examples in there. I mean, we're not tax professionals. That's not what we do, but, um, but certainly this is how you're uh, getting some of your benefits credits. And so they do a nice job of saying, how do I file for these? Um, where, what forms do I use? How do I enter that stuff? And the other thing, Sam, I thought if you could quickly talk about the error. So like, what if, a, so what if they claim the credit and it turns out the employee wasn't even entitled to the credit? Yeah, I've actually had this question before um, from another client that they're saying, what if the individual, the qualified beneficiary doesn't tell me 
that they have kind of this disqualifying coverage. So they have eligibility to another group health plan or they're eligible for Medicare. Am I as the employer going to be liable for not having this notice and claiming this credit? And the IRS says, no, if you don't have any notification and you're not, it wouldn't be reasonable that you should know this, you're not going to be penalized and you're not going to have to repay that credit. But if you did as the employer have notice, you knew that they were eligible for other group health coverage, then you wouldn't be entitled to the credit. Yeah. So I thought that those were good um, clarifications as well, because those are some of the things, right, we, we've been hearing. So there's a myriad of things. What was it, like 86 questions uh, <laughs> yeah. in this right, FAQ? 41 pages, 41 pages for, I think, you know, an FAQ is still a lot of reading, but. it's I mean, Yeah, but yeah. but I think practical stuff. And so the nice thing is that it provides a little bit of a reference. So we put together, um, kind of categorize this into a little bit easier piece. Uh, that um, communication with a link to that document and that information went out to our clients. Um, if, you, if you are one of our clients and you haven't received it, um, contact your, your uh, consultants. Otherwise, um, this, uh, this podcast and, and along with um, the documents we're talking about in the blog post and the downloadable is available at www.onedigital.com. And uh, enjoy. Um, <laughs> we have some guidance. Hopefully that's all health employers uh, rest a little bit easier. So until next time, thanks. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.